How are we doing, Wolfpack Nation? This is Pack Center. I'm your host, like always, Austin Paschke, joined by my co-host, Tyler Seth. And today we have a special guest. Timmy's joining the uh, show to talk about women's basketball and their exhibition game last night. It's going to be a good episode. We're going to be breaking down some soccer, men's golf, women's golf, men's and women's tennis, volleyball, women's basketball, men's basketball, and then, of course, previewing football for their New Mexico game tomorrow. It's going to be a good episode, guys. Stick with us. And we're back, ready to rock and roll. A pretty good week of sports, if I do say so myself, for Nevada. First up, women's soccer. Just like we recapped on Monday, we are 4-13, 3-7 in conference Could be better, but could be a lot worse, as we've seen in previous years. 10th place in the Mountain West. We are now looking forward to the pack whooping the Little Brothers down south tonight at 7 o'clock in Las Vegas. And like always, come Monday, we'll be able to recap our final game of the season for soccer. It's been a quick season, but um, a season that they can build on going into next year. And then let's get into some men's golf, Tyler. I know you like some men's golf. Getting into it here. Ending the 2019 fall season on a high note, the Nevada men's golf team earned a seventh place finish at the Hukalele CC Invitational. Probably probably not the name. No. No, not at all. (laughs) But they finished seventh at the Invitational this past weekend. Wolfpack shot a one-over team round of 289 on the final day but still finished the tournament under par, posting a four-under score for the week. Nevada was just one of eight teams in the 20-team field to stay under par for the event. But on the individual side of it, senior Sam Harn, who has been consistently the MVP of this team, is currently ranked 82nd in the country as led the pack with a top 15 finish. Sam Harn tied for 14th after finishing the tournament under par he recorded the only pack round under par on the final day shooting a two under 70 his best of the week Nevada got an even par round out of senior Tony Gill on Wednesday as he secured a tie for 52nd place finishing the event at three over par Nevada will then return to the course to begin its spring season March 6th and 7th at the Jack Rabbit Invitational in Las Vegas, Nevada. So it's going to be quiet on the men's golf front until the spring. But recapping the fall season just real quick, men's golf finished 5th in the Badger Invitational. with uh, That's the one that Sam Harned won to open up the season. 3rd place finished at the Husky Invitational. Lost a close battle at Montreux with Oregon State. Then 11th place at the Alistair McKenzie Invitational, placed 3rd place at Stockton Invitational, and then finished up with a 7th place finish in Hawaii. Just an incredible fall season for men's golf, and we'll, we'll be able to catch up everything in the spring when they play uh, March 6th and 7th in Las Vegas. How'd this men's golf team uh, look to you, Tyler, That um, now that we're wrapping up the fall season and we're going to be looking forward to the spring? I mean, the biggest thing that um, golfers, professional golfers talk about is consistency. I think that's what we really saw this season from men's golf in the fall season. Just the consistency in placement, Sam Harn being consistent. Um, you get seniors like Tony Gill also being consistent in their rounds. He didn't have such a great round in Hawaii, but I mean, if you're playing bad golf in Hawaii, it's not such a bad day either. That's so. true. 
Um, but yeah, these these top five, top ten finishes that were very consistent this year for the pack um, is something that they can build on. And I know that take into kind of this off season that they have in between seasons to really kind of push themselves and see what they can do to capture more top fives and maybe first place finishes in the spring season. But yeah, I love to see the kind of the tenacity this golf team has. They played really well this fall season. It's just going to be exciting to see when they build on their things they need to work on and how they uh, turn out in the spring. Men's golf, that was that was a sport that I didn't really expect to do as well as they did this season. I mean, they absolutely killed it in the fall. Uh, top three finishes, top five finishes, Sam Harn winning a tournament. Uh, men's golf is definitely on the up and up, and that just makes me more excited to see what they're going to do in the spring. Uh, moving on to women's golf, though, Nevada women's golf team concludes the 2019 fall season with a 10th place finish at the Las Vegas Collegiate Showdown from Boulder Creek Golf Club. The Wolfpack saved its best team round for last as it combined for a 5-over-293 on Tuesday, which ranked in the top half of the field. The women's golf team, just like the men's golf team, is done for the, fi- the fall season, but they will look forward to the battle at the Rock Tournament February 10th through 11th in Riverside, California. So they're starting a little bit sooner than men's golf. They're starting in February, where men's golf starting in March. But overall, a decent fall season from women's golf as well. I mean, they got a couple uh, top 10 finishes. There were a couple tournaments where they didn't do as well. But I think it's a good fall season to build on looking ahead to the spring season. Yeah, and you get that second place finish from... Um... Oh, Kate. Kate... Forget her last name, though. But, yes, she did. Uh, she was tied for runner-up in that one tournament. Yeah, they did really well. Yeah, so, I mean, the same thing, consistency with women's golf. Um, we didn't quite see that during the fall season, but that's something they can kind of chop up in um, the winter here and hopefully get that all sorted. But, yeah, again, just exciting to see these two golf teams kind of play as well as they did. I don't think, like you kind of said, I don't think we kind of expected them to do as well, but they really showed out and then just prepare for the spring and get healthy and get ready. It was great fall seasons from both men's and women's golf. Unfortunately, we will not see them play until, obviously, early February and early March, respectively. So it's going to be a quiet season or quiet off-season for the golf team. But as soon as they pick up action, you know that we will be covering it as well. And then on a quick recap for men's and women's tennis, both men's and women's tennis have action over the weekend. For the first time, the University of Nevada women's tennis will be hosting a fall competition at the MacArthur Tennis Center starting today and running through Sunday. The Wolfpack Invitational begins at 10 a.m. today and Saturday with Sunday's play starting at 9 a.m. This is the final event for the fall for the Wolfpack. The University of Nevada men's tennis team will conclude the fall portion of the schedule at the Pacific Fall Invitational in Stockton, California this weekend. The three-day event will be held at the Eve Ziverman Tennis Center of the Pacific Campus. Boom. That's a mouthful. (laughs) That is a name. But we will be able to recap that all on Monday. Men's and women's tennis have been doing all right. They've been going to some consolation finals. They've been, as a team, and the doubles, they've been doing pretty well going to semifinals, so it'll be interesting to see how both of them do at their tournaments this weekend. We'll be able to recap that on Monday. Last night, volleyball had their game against Utah at the Virginia Street Gym on Halloween. Nevada recently lost five straight games, but they broke that skid last night. Three-set sweep over the Utah State Aggies. The Pack are now 15-8. and eight. Five and six on the season and can put the Utah State series in the win column. 
Nevada had several members shine offensively, but Brianna Souza led the team with 16 kills and just two errors for a whopping .560 hitting percentage. Killy Robbins was the other member of the pack to hit double-digit kills with 13, while Kayla Foa had the majority of the digs on the night. Daylin Burns had just about every assist, recording a whopping 43 assists in the match. Next up for Nevada is a match against Boise State at VSG, the Virginia Street Gym, tomorrow at 11 a.m. So get out and support volleyball, guys, as they're doing some great things. They're looking to improve on this win last night, and we'll be able to recap that Boise State game on Monday. On to women's basketball. I mean, wow, for that first exhibition game, like 102 to 56, 100 bomb. We put up a hundred bomb. We drop a hundo on Jessa. I yeah, mean, it's the first one. But I mean, ever. first Levin's career. Yes, by the way, so. uh, yeah, Coach Levin's career, first a hundred bomb that she's seen since she's been here. It's a big deal. Uh, it's a huge deal against William Jessup. Um, probably not the best team that we'll see this season, but I mean, nonetheless, you still have to compete and put out your best effort. And Wolfpack definitely did that against William Jessup last night, one hundred two to fifty six. Um, one thing that I can say before I hand it over to Timmy is that this team has no problem scoring the ball whatsoever. No, I don't think so. Um, one of the things they kind of proved at least yesterday was that they have a lot of people that can go to when it comes to scoring, which is something they struggled with last year. When it came to scoring last year, they had maybe Ture and Jade and then everybody else kind of struggling with, like, where do I fit in scoring? But this year it feels like everyone's comfortable calling their number. It was probably the most surprising thing you know we say yeah William Jessup probably NIA NAIA school right. but still you gotta win the games that Definitely. you gotta win yeah. and and they did that comfortably and that's the kind of thing as you go it builds confidence for you it reminds you that if you do things the right way if you tighten up a few things even against better opposition maybe it's not 43 points but right. maybe it's 8 you know yeah. and so that's something that I'm looking forward to seeing how they put this together against maybe a better opponent in, in, in St. Mary's on Tuesday. Definitely. And 70 points off the bench. Absolutely huge for that women's basketball team. Uh, Coach Levins had quite a lot to say on that 70-point contribution off the bench. This is what she had to say after the game. I, we would take that every you know, game of the year if we could have that. But I think it just speaks to you know our depth. Like I said, I, for us, it's not like we have starters like it's really difficult to pick starters to be honest you know and like I feel like we have nine starters or ten starters of people that could start or play starter minutes depending on the matchup depending on the game and just playing well 70 points off the bench absolutely huge I don't know if we're going to see that again but I mean to see that productivity off the bench and giving that kind of boost to the starters is definitely a good sign Tyler what do you see in that game and uh, who surprised you the most I mean, you see a lot of things. You heard Coach Levins even talk about that the roster really isn't set yet. Like, they could go, they have 10 starting lineup yeah. players. Like, that's not supposedly that their starting lineup depends on the team, the matchups that they get. Um, but I saw a lot of good things. I think the person who surprised me the most was Essence Booker, coming off the bench kind of as that um, six-man type of role. She dropped 16, very efficient six of nine shooting, mm-hmm. um, hit a couple of threes. 
But someone who really surprised me handling the ball as well, you see her, there was a play where she was trapped in the corner, shot clock winding down. Uh, she made a nice crossover and cut in the middle of the lane and kind of had a tough fadeaway over the, the Jessup defender, who I think was like 6'3", um, was their, their tall girl. But yeah, I mean, just the way she handled the ball and um, always was never afraid to make the extra pass. You see her on the wing make that one extra pass to find the open the open shooter. So it's really good to see her kind of not being super selfish, even though she is having a really good game. Um, this whole team kind of does that as well. They, the distribution of the basketball really was impressive to me yeah. and their defense as well. I thought they played great fundamental defense, forcing I don't even know how many turnovers, 14-something yeah. steals. So it was really impressive showing. Um, and like Timmy said, I mean, this is a team we should whip on, and to see that we are doing that is kind of gives me confidence for the rest of the season. Yeah, I think we had 20 steals. They William Jessup coughed up the ball 25 times. We forced 25 turnovers, 20 steals. Essence Booker had five assists and two steals to go along with those 16 points, like you said. Uh, absolutely huge off the bench. I mean, she when she can give that spark to the starting lineup, I think that's huge. I wouldn't be surprised if she started as well. Timmy, who kind of surprised you in this game? Uh, who should we look forward to going into the regular season? Honestly, I feel like it was it was Margarita Effer, though. Yes. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, yes, I was expecting her to come in and sort of provide some sort of veteran leadership. What I was not expecting was 20 points and five rebounds. That yeah. was absolutely not. And she looked hella comfortable from the mid-range. Mm-hmm. She looked really comfortable just backing down her man, a man and then shooting over. It was like... Is there a defender here? Anybody would defend it me didn't sometime? Look like, yeah, it didn't look you like know? it. And that's the kind of thing you want from your players. Mm-hmm. It's when you have a mismatch, you want someone who has the confidence to take it. If everyone's sort of shot shy, then you run into trouble kind of finding the best shot. But once you've got a mismatch, you know you've got someone who's confident enough to take it. You, you definitely get an advantage every time. That's kind of what I felt. But I also like what... Um, Tyler said about Essence because I feel like she is an X factor in the guard position for them because she sort of combines the fundamentals of a pure point guard with like the skills to score. Mm -hmm. So if if you look up and down with that roster, they have a lot of talented guards who can score, but it's not a lot of people whose first like intention or whose first like thought is to who who can I put pass the ball to who can I create for and I think Essence sort of has that so. To see her not five assists in a game where it felt like the ball was moving around real quick, it shows some intention there to find people in good spaces and make sure they're, you know, getting the shots up. Yeah, another person who did that very well was Jenna Williams. She had eight points. She had a silent eight points. She didn't do too much scoring, but she did pretty much everything else. Eight assists, four steals. I think she's a perfect point guard option. And then you have, like you said, Essence Booker coming off the bench. I just think that combo right there is really dirty, and I think it's going to give a lot of teams in the Mountain West some headaches. But Dom Phillips, someone that I was really impressed with, uh, freshman. I know Temi has been harping on her since the season started pretty much. Six rebounds, ten points, four assists, two blocks, two steals. I mean, what didn't she do? She was everywhere, all over the court, and she's a true freshman. So, I mean, that is a name I think we have to look out for with uh, in the middle of the season. Honestly, I'm not going to lie. I was high on Dom Phillips, but watching her play and watching her kind of do literally everything, score from outside, score from inside, yeah. you know, play on defense, guard people on the outside, guard people in the post. It was like, okay, this is a player that kind of 
simplifies how you set your lineups up. And you see it a lot, even in like high level basketball, professional basketball, is when you have that one versatile player, it's easier to kind of set everything else up because you want to move them from the two to the three, go ahead. Bring yeah. in maybe someone who can score who can score the two or who can shoot better at the two. You want bigger lineups, maybe move them down to the two. Maybe yeah. have them play the point guard position. You know, when you have someone who's that versatile, who can potentially, against smaller opposition, move one through five, mm-hmm. you've basically got like a master key and you could just move things around. I think that's what Levins is looking at with all of her players. I mean, we had so much bench production. 12 out of the 13 players that played last night had a bucket. I mean, it's just like so unselfish basketball. It just looked beautiful. I I loved watching the game. I think we're going to surprise a lot of people this year. But now the not-so-fun part, what did you guys see in weaknesses in this game that could eventually come up in not only Mountain West play, but just with the start of the season? Decision-making. Because here's the thing with weaker position is they give you more time on the ball, give you more time to make decisions, give you more time to maybe knock it around a few times where you don't really know where you're going with it before you finally find that opening. Against better defenses, against better players, that's not an opening you get. You know, you make a bad decision one time, you've got someone who's trying to take advantage of that. So I think they definitely need to tighten up the decision making. Know what you want to do with the ball immediately you get it. Don't have the ball in your hands trying to think, where does this go? Who do I pass this to? You should already know, okay, once this ball gets to me, I'm driving in or I'm passing to this person or I'm taking the shot. And that helps you keep your opponent off off their feet and keeps the defense off balance and you can really create openings there. So decision-making needs to tighten up a bit. But I think that's something you learn as the season goes, so we'll see. Yeah, that's definitely something that I saw last night, too. I mean, 12 turnovers, that's not a lot. I mean, that's definitely nothing compared to the 25 that William Jessup had. But, I mean, that is decision-making. It's it's where am I going to go with the ball, and then, you know, I might make the wrong pass. I might get tipped out of my hands, and then we have 12 turnovers. Um, decision-making, is that is that your weak spot, or how, how do you see the team going into the game? I mean, it kind of goes along with Timmy saying, and you hear Coach Levins talk about that in the post-game, is she felt like they found a lot of good shots, but not a lot of great shots that they were looking for to find that like final perfect shot. But I think that's, especially with this kind of younger team that we have, it's going to be kind of a growing pain, and we'll see that, like Timmy said, um, hopefully grow throughout the season. Um, but for me, yeah, it's... It's it's kind of hard to be nitpicky about this game when we win by forty. Right. Um, but I think that is, is kind of going along. I'm going along the same lines as Timmy here is, um, just getting those reps in and seeing more on the court time and kind of decision making and also just finding the open the open shooter, the open post player, realizing some matchups that we have. I know there was a couple times where. Um, Margaret Effa was down in the post, and she had I think a point guard on her, to just a point guard, and we couldn't really get her the ball, which was kind of disappointing. But just analyzing situations like that, but I think that's just going to come with more practice and more game time. But right now, this this women's basketball team looks really good. Definitely not a ninth place finish in the Mountain West in my eyes. No, we'll get to that in a little bit, but. One thing that I was looking forward to or looking at after the game, and that, and that was a good point. I mean, it's hard. It really is hard to nitpick once you beat a team forty like by 46 points. But 12 out of 13 players scored. 12 out of 13 players also had a personal foul. We had 23 personal fouls in the day. I would like to see that cleaned up just a little bit. I mean, the unnecessary reach-ins, I mean, they did have 20 steals, so you're reaching in a lot. But I would just like them to clean that up just a little bit, not see so many personal fouls. 
Um, but like you said, Tyler, ninth in the Mountain West preseason poll. I think that's a slap in the face. I'm just going to put that out there. Two teams worse than us in the entire league? I I don't think so. San Jose State was picked dead last. Somehow they got a pick to first they place got one vote. yeah they got a yeah. vote to finish in the first place, but yet they they're picked to finish last. I don't understand how that happens. And then Air Force was picked to finish tenth. We are picked to finish ninth. Do you guys agree with that, or do you think that's just a big slap in the face? No, I don't think so. I don't think so. I definitely. I'm trying personally to avoid having expectations for this team just because there's a lot of new things, there's a lot of new faces off the court, on the court. But I think if they take the same things they did last night and they do it again consistently, this is a team that could be mid-seeded list, maybe fifth or fourth or Mm -hmm. sixth, you know? And the thing is, all of that doesn't really matter as much until you actually make the most of it in the Mountain West Conference tournament. Mm-hmm. And so I'm not really big on seeding because obviously you want to avoid the top seeds. But right. really, if you're not playing well enough to earn a second or third seed, you probably are not making that tournament anyway. So Yeah, you got to play your best basketball going into the Mountain West Conference tournament. doesn't matter what your seed is going into it. Uh, it would be nice to get that first round by. Uh, but I think ninth is just a big slap in the face. I think we're a top five team. I really do. And it's yeah. disrespectful. Yes, I, I think so. It is disrespectful. I think with the team that we have, we have so much not experience, but we had so many freshmen play last year, and that are now sophomores. They have a year under the belt. We have really good transfers in Marguerite Effa and a lot of people that we saw last night. I just don't see our team finishing any lower than sixth or seventh. Yeah, I agree with that. I think ninth is is very low for this team. That's. For me, that's their floor is finishing ninth. Right. I think their ceiling could be like a two or three seed. Obviously, Boise State um, picked to finish first in the conference. Obviously, yeah. The champion of the Mountain West, Boise State, as yep. they are. Um, but I think definitely our ceiling could be like a two, three seed going into the tournament, maybe getting that first round by. Um, but kind of like Timmy said, I mean, we ran the table as what, an eight seed a couple years ago, yep. making it to the championship game. So seeding in that tournament. Kind of dodgy, but you got to be playing your best basketball come Mountain West time. And I think this preseason kind of sets us up for that for the women's basketball team for sure. Levin's always has her team playing the best at the end of the season. I mean, you don't want to see Nevada in the Mountain West tournament at all because Levin's, like, like you said, they run the table. Levin's has her players at the best that they play going into Mountain West conference tournaments. That's just how they are. But now we look ahead. Tuesday, first real game against St. Mary's. What are you guys looking for keys in that game? Before We'll give a full preview on Monday, but what are some keys that you're looking for into that game? Okay, I'm going to channel a little with Coach Levens and just say they've got tightening up the things they did um, terribly. Not terribly, but the, the little things yeah. they, they kind of let go. So right. personal fouls, for example, Coach Levens mentioned that if you're putting good teams at the line every minute, you're going to get them in rhythm a lot. If you're... Turning over the ball a lot, you're going to get them in rhythm. If you're not making the right decisions, you're going to get the other team going the other way real yeah. quick. And so for for me, first of all, I definitely want to see Kurt Levin's real lineup. <laughs> yeah. Because I felt like that lineup last night was not her real style lineup. But I want to see who she's leaning on yeah. in like real game situations, in points where games are tight, mm-hmm. and like who is getting the ball, who's making the decisions for the team, and who is expected to score. Definitely. That's something that's exciting to see for me, but I, I definitely think, obviously, we're not getting 12, 12 out of 13 players scored tomorrow uh, on Tuesday. Um, so, going to be interesting to see who scores. 
Yeah, I don't think we're going to beat St. Mary's by 46 either on Tuesday, but I think it's going to be a good game, and I'm really excited to see. Um, this is going to be a fun team to watch if that's anything that you guys take away from this episode. I think it's going to be a really fun team to watch, and I think people should get out to Lawler to watch this team. Um, we're going to be a lot better than people think for sure. But moving on to men's basketball, last night we, or sorry, two nights ago, Wednesday night, we beat Colorado Christian 86 to 55. Five scores in double digits. We never trailed exactly what we should be doing against a D2 school. But they came out of the second half a little slow. We'll get to that in a little bit. Some players didn't play to their full potential. Some players left the team, and we'll get to that later. You make it sound so much worse than it actually it really is. is. I think it it's is, true. though. It's like, I saw that news, and it was like, okay, this is weird. It is a little weird. I was not expecting it. I knew something fishy was going on when Eric Parrish... One didn't play in the first game, and coach held him out to undisclosed reasons. This game, not even suited up, not even on the sidelines. Um, So I knew, and he wasn't on the roster sheet. So something was kind of fishy, but last night, uh, Coach Alford announced that Eric Parrish has left the program. He's moving on to different things, and they will do everything they can, obviously, to help him out. It's a big blow. We'll talk about how that kind of affects Nevada basketball in a little bit. But I want to touch on Zane Meeks, because while... He had a great first exhibition game. He kind of slowed down in this one. He had, I think, two or four points that came from free throws. I don't think he made a field goal. Um, he had nine rebounds, though, which tied with Lindsey Drew for most rebounds in that game. So while he's not performing as well as we thought he would in the scores category, he still put up nine rebounds. He still made his presence known, which is good to do as a true freshman. I'm just worried about how this is going to affect his game against Utah. I mean, I see your point, but at the same time, um, we see Zane is kind of just a straight shooter off the bench. He's a he's that pick and pop kind of big stretch three or stretch four, um, whatever you want to call him. That doesn't really have a lot of post moves. We saw him go down on the post two nights ago right. uh, against a smaller defender, but every other time we've seen him out beyond the arc taking those jumpers. Um, and shooters have bad nights, you know. Um, we're going to see him struggle a little bit. The nerves might be getting to him a little bit more as the season gets closer and closer, and those expectations are really high for Zane. Um, but I think he just had a bad night, um, had a couple good looks, missed a couple of those good looks, or missed all those good looks. Yeah. Um, but I'm not too worried. I think he can bounce back. I think, you know, being he's done this his whole life you know he's fell into slumps before it's like kind of like what um Caleb did in that stretch last season where he had a really bad shooting slump um but luckily Zane's not our main scorer that's having that shooting slump right so it's going to be interesting to see how he bounces back as a freshman I agree with that point but I think I think he'll be just fine and talking about our main scorer Jalen Harris again last night didn't really have the best shooting I mean he did he was 56% from the field. He was 9 for 16. That's very good. He went 1 for 5 from 3. He didn't have, like, a, an amazing night scoring. He still put up 26 points. So I am I said this last night. You kind of you kind of looked at it sideways. But I still think he's going to have at least a couple 40-point games. Yeah. I mean, it's, I mean, that's tough. In college basketball, dropping, dropping a 40-bomb like Jordan did at the pit, that's that's a tough one, but I could see it too. I mean, we see him last night. It doesn't even look like he's in his zone or comfortable at all, and he, like you said, he still drops 26. So that's yeah. something that's kind of you want to see from your probably premier scorer this year. Yeah, because you know he's going to go – Alfred's going to go to Jalen when we need a bucket. Like that's just – he did everything last night. Like he, he can shoot the three. We, we saw him one for five, but he can shoot the three. 
Uh, him, him driving is a scary sight. You saw him. There was a two-handed dunk that he threw down, but it still looked like his head was pretty much above the whole backboard. I mean, this this kid can score from everywhere, so I think putting up a quiet 26 points is pretty impressive, and I think he has a couple 40 bombs in him as the night goes on. Lindsey Drew, the point god, had a pretty impressive game. He had 11 points, an amazing nine rebounds, three assists, kind of like the guy we saw two years ago, kind of all around just doing everything for the pack. Um, something we didn't see two years ago is him pulling up from three, like just walking the down, walking the ball down the court, pulling up from three out of nowhere. That is something we definitely did not see two years ago, but we saw it la- two nights ago, and that's pretty. It was pretty nice to see him shooting the ball like that. Um, but when he gets announced at the beginning of the game, the crowd stands on their feet pretty much every single time. Do you think that's ever gonna stop? I don't see it stopping either. I mean, he's given so much to this program um, that, you know, Pac fans want to give it all back. You know, being a fifth-year senior, having that Achilles, and then having, what was it, the, the, hip, hip, surgery. the hip surgery, um, fighting back through all of that just to be able to play this year. Um, he's seeing new faces, new coaching staff, new players. Um, and just kind of being that rock of Nevada for, honestly, the past five years has been really awesome to watch. And I think the fans appreciate that, and they sense his loyalty and just really want to give it back to him every night. Yeah, I don't think Lindsey's ever going to get tired of it either. Uh, this is what he had to say about the crowd support after the game. Lindsey, even in two exhibition games, when your name is called for the starting lineup, you're getting a huge ovation from the fans. Is that something you'll always kind of cherish throughout your four years here? Yeah, most definitely. Um, last game, I almost shed a tear. But like we said, um, the team kind of struggled coming out of half. We were up by, I think, 20 or 18 points going into half. They brought it back within 12, and that was the moment we looked at each other and said, they're down by 12. Uh, This is a D2 school that's only down by 12. And then right as, I think someone heard us, I think probably Craig Neal or Coach Alford heard us, and was like, all right, yeah, we need to kick into full gear. Uh, they pulled away. They were up, I think, 30 at one point in the second half. Um, but they did struggle from the field. Uh, 37% from the field in the second half, 23% from three. While 37% from the field isn't the worst, uh, it's definitely not the same as I think we were 49 or 50% from the field in the first half. So they did struggle. They did, they did have a little bit of problems scoring the ball. But I don't think I saw a lot of talk going around that rebounding is our weakest part of the game right now, and I don't think that's true. I think I think our defense is what we need to focus more on. I think I think Colorado Christian did a decent job scoring against us, and if a D two school can score like that against us, I think um, we have some bigger problems than just rebounding. Yeah, I agree. You heard kind of Coach Alford touch on both those things as kind of keys to um, the upcoming game versus Utah, um, which will be a whiteout. I'm actually very excited for that. We saw that last night. But yeah, we saw him touch on rebounding and then defense. But I agree with you. I think defense is our bigger problem here. I think if, you know, we have Zane pulling down, you know, seven, eight boards a night and you have people like Lindsey pulling down boards and you're not even getting kind of the new age Twin Towers and KJ and John Carlos, they're really kind of pulling down some rebounds here and there. Um, I don't think rebounding is going to be a super key issue. I think it's that defense. We really need to tighten up on defense. We see Colorado Christian come out of the locker room and make some adjustments and really just 
storm back into that game. And then uh, we kind of had to wake up after that 12 minutes and say, okay, like we need to start playing. We need to, you know, kick into gear, like you said. But I agree with you. I think defense is going to be a major thing. We see some switches that weren't really the best decisions last or two nights ago. Yeah. Um, we see a lot of help defense that's maybe a little too over anticipated where they get open corner threes. So just something that little things that these players really haven't played together for too long and we'll have to start learning about each other, each other's tendencies and stuff like that. But I think defense really needs to get tightened up during this preseason, you know, heading into Mountain West play. I don't think that rebounding is the biggest problem. And this is why. I think John Carlos is a great rebounder. He had six rebounds. A player like Lindsey Drew or Nisre can come off the bench, or not Lindsey, but especially Nisre, and give some decent um, rebounding. Lindsey last night had nine. Uh, Zane Meeks had nine rebounds. Jalen Harris had seven rebounds. I don't think rebounding is going to be the biggest issue now that we're done or that Eric Parrish has left. I do think it's defense, though. Uh, John Carlos had four fouls. K.J. Himes had four fouls. So we saw some early foul trouble where Zane really got some minutes. Robbie Robinson really got some minutes. And, uh, yeah, I think the entire community is kind of acting like the sky is falling now that Eric Parrish left. Like, yeah, he was—I I get it. He's a very good basketball player, and it is a loss. But I don't think that our entire season shot just because one player that hasn't touched the court yet is leaving the, the program. I agree. I think, you know, we have a lot of young talent that is honestly stepping up. Zane Meeks is kind of in Eric Parrish's spot, Definitely. I would assume, yeah. getting all those minutes, kind of being that six man off the bench. And you see Kane Milling playing really well. Mm-hmm. Um, you see a lot of these young guys. KJ's, you know, having a slow start, but I think he'll start finding it. He's a very talented player. Mm-hmm. He's going to find it eventually. Um, so you see a lot of young talent that's really stepping up in that absence of Eric Parrish. And even the first game with uh, Robbie Robertson was out. We saw that young right. talent step up as well. So I agree with you. I don't think it's – we can't say the sky is falling yet because this team is good. We just yeah. have to give them time to, you know, mesh on the court um, in practice and, you know, kind of figure out each other a little bit more. Yeah, and I think the – and I, some of the scoring that would have gone to Eric Parrish is obviously I now I think is going to fall on Nisre. Um, a lot of people forget he's a, he averaged 20 points a game at Bryant. Like, th- this kid can score. It's not like, yeah, last year was, I in my opinion, an anomaly, but I think he can take over what Eric Parrish was going to do and really take the load of the scoring coming off the bench. Um, we now turn our sights to Utah on Tuesday. We'll be able to preview their game on Monday, so stay tuned for that. It's going to be a great preview. Uh, I think it's going to be a great game on Tuesday against Utah, like Tyler said, it is a whiteout. So if you're not wearing white to the game, don't bother showing up. True. Straight I mean, up. they're giving out free T-shirts, so it's hard not to wear white. So then but. show up to the game even if you aren't <laughs> wearing white, and then you'll put white on. But it is a whiteout on Tuesday. Make sure you guys show up and support. The women's game is before that, I think at 3. 3 or 3.30. So show up to that as well. We'll be able to preview both those games on Monday. But it'll be a good doubleheader, just like last night. I mean, get in. I think the admission for the women's is free. Is free. Yeah. So why not show up for the women's game, stay for the men's game, and watch some great basketball? We did it last night. It was a lot of fun to stay at Lawler for four plus hours. But Going you know, on five. Actually, you know what, dude? It's such a burden, but someone has to do it. You know, watch four or five hours of Nevada basketball. I guess I'll take the bullet. Oh, okay. Nice. <laughs> Thank you. I'll take the bullet and watch them. But uh, it was a great, great exhibition games two nights ago. And uh, now we'll be able to see how they do on Tuesday. But looking ahead to tomorrow, 
Football's still going on, in case you guys forgot. Oh, shoot. I almost, no, honestly, I thought the episode was over right now. I'm not going to lie. Oh, my gosh. No, football is still going on. We still have four games of football. We still have four games of football. But tomorrow, New Mexico is coming here to play Nevada football. 7.30 kickoff time. It's going to be a late one. So make sure you tuck your kids into bed. Come out, stay late. You know, I mean, Nevada game's like four hours now, so you're not going to get home till like 1130. Bundle up. Yeah. It's going to be a cold one. It's going to be a cold one. It's starting to get that time at Mackey where you're definitely going to need two sweatshirts and a blanket to watch the Wolfpack play. New Mexico's two and six on the year. Two, the there are two wins come against Sam Houston State, trash team. New Mexico State, trash team. New Mexico is 0-4 in the Mountain West. They sit dead last in the conference. If we cannot beat New Mexico, Tyler... We will not cover football anymore. I'm telling you, we we're will done. not. We are done. If we lose to New Mexico tomorrow, we're done. Covering I mean, football. this is. I don't think it's arguably. Well, I think it is arguably right now. But this is the worst team in the Mountain West, and this shouldn't be a game. But the way we have the revolving door at quarterback, the way our offensive line is playing right now, um, our secondary, I, our secondary. This is. It's going to be an interesting one. I'll just say that injuries. I mean, we could just keep going on our special teams that's gone down. Um, you know, and and we we still we're still fans. We're still we're still supporting, but it's not looking good right now. New Mexico, while they are pretty bad as a team, they run the ball fairly well. They run the ball way more than they pass. They rank 25th in the country in rushing yards per game at 211. That's going to be a key for our defense to look out for. They have 13 INTs, only nine passing touchdowns on the year, so they do not throw the ball very efficiently. They rank 85th in the country in passing offense. Their O-line is pretty impressive, though. They only allow one sack per game, which is ranked tied for ninth in the country. That's a big key for our D-line. If we can get pressure on their quarterback, maybe we'll be able to force some turnovers, which they don't do very often. At QB, Sherian Jones has been their starter for pretty much the, the entire season, but ran into some legal trouble. So Taveka Tuitoi... T. I don't know how to say that. Nailed it. We're just going to call him Tevetka or, or Tevetka. Double T. Tevetka Double T is taking over at quarterback. Last game against Hawaii, Tevetka went 23 for 40, 293 yards, two TDs, and two INTs. So definitely not the best game, but I mean, when you throw for almost 300 yards, two TDs, you can kind of forget about the two INTs, I think, for a little bit. Even though they did lose the game, it was way closer than when Hawaii came to our place and played. Hawaii only beat New Mexico, a bad New Mexico team by, I think, seven points. Six or seven, yeah. So that is something to keep an eye on. Uh, at running back, a name to look out for is Amari Davis, who has 743 yards on the season along with six TDs. Their leading wide receiver is actually a tight end. Marcus Williams leads the team in completions on the year with only 17. Jordan Cress is their actual leading wide receiver with 14 receptions, 400 yards, and four TDs on the season. They turn the ball over a lot. They rank 127th with a minus 12 turnover margin. They average one and a half turnovers per game. That is going to be something that we should look forward to. Our defense should have a field day. Maybe our secondary can go three picks in three games. That would be pretty nice. Maybe Burdell Robinson has his third pick and third game. Keep that streak going. But what are you looking for in this offense? What do you think their weakness is? How do you think our defense is going to stack up? What do you think is going to happen tomorrow? 
I mean, like you said, this team runs the ball more than passes it, which sets up for our defense. But we've said that week in, week out on teams, and we keep dropping games. So yeah. it's going to be tough. We need the offensive line de- or our defensive line to get a push. Our DBs need to really kind of show out and help in the run game. Um, they really need to play well against the receivers and then the linebacking court. Um, all the injuries, they just need to step up at this point. I I don't think we can make a lot of more excuses yeah. for this defense or this offense uh, for Nevada. They just at some point you guys got to start stepping up, and I think this is a good game to do it. I mean, New Mexico is not a good team. Their offense isn't good. Their defense is even worse. So I mean, this team is a team where people could have some big games and really kind of get out of the slumps they've been in. This is the game that they need to get the fans back on their side. I think. And it's going to say, you know, something very similar is you have a bad team playing a style that's favorable for you. You literally have no more way it right. can get any better. But also, Nevada's been pretty inconsistent. Yeah. But then if you check out the games they've lost and the ones they've lost very badly, it was because the team really know how to, knew how to pass the ball. And so you're hoping and trusting that, okay, this is something you're good against. This is a really bad team that turns the ball over a lot. You usually get a good game going when someone can get get you a lot of when you can get a lot of interceptions and so i mean it is up in the air because yep. you literally don't know you don't even know who's starting for nevada tomorrow exactly so but i, I literally expect them to at least squick a win away mm-hmm. that's just something where maybe coach novell feels like his pride is on the line um, you you do see him get animated when he feels like come on people. Yeah. So I'm hoping like there's still some magic left in that bottle, and we can all cock it tomorrow. Yeah, I think so too. I think this is a game, like I said, that there's a lot of the community that's kind of that's not fallen off the bandwagon, but maybe is they're on the edge, they're on the edge of leaving the J train. And this is a game that they need to win and to win heavily to get this community back on their side. Because if you lose to New Mexico, I think a lot of people are going to jump. And it's not going to be pretty for this football team. Uh, on defense for New Mexico, they come in, they come out in a 3-3-5. They like to put pressure on their quarterback. Carson's going to have to wash out for those sacks. That has been kind of a problem. Although this team does return players and starters from their previous team last year, they have still yet to improve on anything defensively. This team prides itself on stopping the run, which they rank 69th in the nation in rushing yards at 160 yards. Pass defense is a different story. However, the Lobos are dead last in the FBS at 130th in passing yards allowed per game at 344 yards per game. This pass defense is atrocious. I thought we had a bad pass defense. This oh, yeah. this team is this a, is awful. This is a tr- literally dead last. Now looking at the stats, it was I was scrolling and scrolling, and I was like, "Where are where is New Mexico?" And they were it was kind of surprising they were dead last. You got to check the page a couple times. Yeah. You're like, did I miss it? Yeah. Like, but th- I mean, it's matching up for a good day for Carson at least. Uh, if he can string some passes together, this is going to be a good day with with their struggling secondary. That's for sure. Their defense relies heavily on blitzing to put pressure on the opposing QBs to make up for their, let's just say, not-so-good secondary. Um, so that's going to be something that our, our O-line is going to have to look out for. This um, this injured and young O-line is going to have a lot to deal with. Constantly blitzing backers. They like to go man coverage with their secondary. So this is matching up for a really good game on the air, but that's just if our O-line can actually hold their blocks long enough for Carson to throw. They're tied for 58th in the country in total sacks. This is going to test our O-line heavily. 
what are some keys for the game and coming out tomorrow against New Mexico that we really need to get a win against? What are some keys that you're looking for? I mean, the first key is kind of like you said, is our offensive line. They blitz to cover up the fact that they are not so good in the secondary, like you said. Uh, if they can get pressure on the quarterback, make him make some bad decisions, their secondary looks amazing. Um, if we can you know, pick up on blitz protection, throw Toa in blitz protection, um, and make Carson have a pocket and give him some time to throw the ball, I think he's going to... You know he's gonna have a decent game. I don't. I'm hesitant to say a good game because I just need to see it from him. I haven't seen it since the second half of the Purdue game, kind of week one from Carson, where he really just has a game where we kind of sit back and say, "Is this the quarterback of our future?" Um, another key is, you know, our rush game kind of needs to be in it. You know, they do blitz a lot. That kind of sets up for a lot of draws, um, a lot of pitch plays maybe that we kind of haven't seen. Um, like, you, I know you're going to say the Toa 20 touches, so I'm going to let you say that. But Toa needs to have a good game, and our defense really just needs to step up. This offense runs the ball, and if they can't run the ball, um, they're going to throw the ball. And um, we just need to play solid defense. Um, no more excuses for this team. Yep. We need to beat New Mexico. If it doesn't happen, uh, things are looking real bleak the rest of the season. Yeah, if it doesn't happen, then we're not making a bowl game. There's there's no way about no if way. fans about yeah. it. Like I think I think we can beat Fresno. Um Fresno's definitely struggling this year. They don't have the same team as they did in previous years, but I don't think we're gonna beat them. I mean the, the we need to win this game to, to make a bowl game. And um that's one obviously a huge goal for every FBS program is making a bowl game and getting paid and you know just having that extra game for your fans means a lot and having a bowl game means a lot and if they don't beat New Mexico I don't think they're going to be able to make one I'm not saying Toa needs to get 20 touches oh I'm switching it up I've been saying it for eight games now and look what happens it doesn't it doesn't matter it doesn't happen (laughs) but I do think they need to have a lot of screen plays because this this blitzing defense will will create havoc. I think Toa needs at least three, four screen plays out of the backfield because he can do some great things in open field. He can put his shoulder down. He can run over people. He can make people miss. So I think Toa needs at least 12 to 15 touches on the ground, but f- like four to five screens in the air to kind of keep this defense in check and to get him into open space. Do you have a score prediction, though? And do you think Nevada is going to be able to squeak this one out? Uh, I'm going to say it's like 25-14. Okay. Um, the way I see the game going is if Nevada's going to win this one, there's gonna be, it's going to be very disruptive in defense. Mm-hmm. The, best, the best games they've played this season have been games where they really disrupted what the opponent was trying to do in defense. Uh, on offense, sorry. Yeah. Um, so I'm going to go with like 24, uh, 25-14. They score maybe one touchdown on an interception. Just throwing that out there. Um, also... I'm going to drop a number, a new number, just to match Austin's 12 to 15 touches uh, and say if they don't get as many as four interceptions tomorrow, they don't win that game. Ooh. Ooh. Four interceptions. I would, I would I like, like to see I'd that. I'd love to see that. They do, to- they do turn the ball over a lot. So, And I think, I think we do need turnovers to win this game. I don't think we can just beat this team straight up because I think we're going to have turnovers ourselves. I think we're going to le- at least have one interception and one fumble. Um, so I think I think I'm right along with you. I think we need a lot of turnovers. Honestly, I think I don't know about four interceptions, but I think I honestly think we need one or two, and then um, at least a fumble or something to kind of keep this team ahead of New Mexico. Yeah, I think I think New Mexico is definitely going to burn us in the air a couple times. I mean, 
almost it's almost a given at this point with our secondary and the way they're playing. Um, but I think I I mean I hope we hit the twenties. I'm see it's looking bleak for I me. Know. Our offense really needs to step up. These last what three games we've been outscored like two hundred and something to, to like twenty like something twenty yeah. something yeah. So it's been very bleak. I think we can pull out a twenty one to twenty four point offensive game. I think that Carson maybe finds it in this cold weather. Um, hopefully it doesn't affect our receivers and our quarterback too much. Um, I'm going to go 24-17. We squeak away. I think Carson does throw a couple picks, but I think our defense uh, forces a couple turnovers as well that really kind of seals us the game. Yeah, I think I think Carson's going to have a decent day. I think they're—we keep saying this every week, but I think they're fired up. I really do think they're motivated. Carson in the, the pre-game presser on Monday, on Monday. said he was— he kind of took the load on himself. Like he was like, "This is all on me. I need to play better. I've been letting my team down." So I think he's going to come out and have a big game. I do think he's going to have a, at least one interception. But I do think we're going to have a good game offensively. I think people are going to be fired up. I think Melquan Stovall, who's kind of been running under the radar, true freshman. I think he's going to have a huge game at wide receiver. I think we. I have us winning twenty-seven twenty, but I don't know. I I'm just. Uneasy Stick about it. it. Stick to it. I'm Come uneasy on. about it. 27-20. I think we are going to win. It's going to be a closer game than Pac fans realize. Just, I mean, this was a lock win going into the year, and now it's kind of up in the air. I, I do have us winning though. 27-20. It will be interesting to see what happens tomorrow night, 7:30 against New Mexico. Get out to Mackey. Support this football team as we are going into the later half of the season. We have two more away games after this one, and then we're back home uh, for the final seat for the final game of the season against the Little Brothers down south. But do you guys have any last thoughts before we wrap up the episode? I was gonna say there's no way in hell they drop that game to New Mexico and give New Mexico their first win of the season in the Mountain West Conference. That's it. Like it, I agree, it, it just has to not happen at all. I'm very skeptical, so I'm not going <laughs> to lie. This, this team has let me down many and many time again. Oh, God. Um, but for the recap What's of the week— What's one more time? I, <laughs> I don't know. I just, I'm dis, I just I don't want to be let down again. I think I might fall out if this, if this happens. Well, I mean, we do have Austin's promise to not yeah. run football again. If we yeah. lose, if lose, we're tomorrow. not running it. We're, not, we're done. Yeah, so this is going to be an interesting game um, that we will watch very closely yes. as Pack fans and kind of the future of Wolfpack football. But all in all, I mean, soccer's playing a very bad team and the Little Brothers down south. Hopefully they can take the win, win the last two out of three games. That would be really yep. huge for them going on. And then the rest of the sports, golf finishing strong. Uh, you got volleyball doing what they did. Um, and then you got our both, both of our basketball teams are looking really good. I think, you know, going... Kind of like we, what we said on Monday, going in, ending the fall season, going into the winter season. Um, it's looking pretty good for the pack and the majority of the sports. So um, I like to see that continue and um, have a good week again for Nevada Athletics. Definitely. I agree. It's going to be fun to see Wolfpack Sports go into the winter portion of the season. Uh, thank you guys so much for giving us your time and listening. Oh, yeah. Pack Hoops Pod. You guys got to stay tuned to Pack Hoops Pod and Temi. He does a great job over there breaking down women's basketball and everything that they do, game in and game out, uh, interviews. I mean, you do everything pretty yeah. much. 
Pretty much. Yeah, yeah. Talk about what you do on Pack Pack Hoops. Pod. Okay, so you know we try to have guests over this season because we try and keep things interesting and fresh. We hopefully might have Coach Levens in the works, ooh, but ooh. you know we're not giving anything up. Yeah, it's gonna be interesting. Definitely spoke to Paul Mitchell, and if you don't even listen for the sports, just come for his voice. I yes. Uh, Professor Mitchell here on campus, he, he does have a radio voice, that is for sure, and lo- knows a lot about basketball, being a previous basketball player himself. Uh, but subscribe to pa- Coop's Pod. They do great things over there, breaking down women's basketball as they head into the season. Thank you guys so much for listening, and let's go Pack. Pack.